Welcome to Keystone Education Radio, the podcast for all things focused on education in Pennsylvania. Now here's your host, Annette Stevenson. Playing video games is no longer just a pastime. The rise of popularity in esports or competitive video gaming has reached the Commonwealth's public schools. Just like more traditional sports, students who participate in esports find a sense of camaraderie, learn lifelong lessons, and gain valuable skills for their future. In 2018, the Pennsylvania Esports Coalition was created to advance the development, growth, and integrity of esports in Pennsylvania through advocacy, education, and promotion of the industry. The coalition is comprised of stakeholders from all aspects of the esports industry, including technology, entertainment, education, athletic, casino gaming, and government sectors. Last year, the coalition was a partner in establishing the Pennsylvania Interscholastic Esports Association, or PIEA. PIEA provides the regulatory oversight and competition guidelines necessary to bridge esports as a viable and credible high school program and instill confidence in school administrators, parents, and community leaders, all while ensuring the safety and security of the state's student-athletes. Today, we are joined by Bill Thomas, Chairman of the Pennsylvania Esports Coalition. Thanks for joining us, Bill. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So can you begin by providing an overview of esports, such as what kind of games are popular, how many players participate, how are competitions organized? Give us kind of an overview, if you would. Sure. Um, you know, esports is, is really simple uh, to understand. It's really it's competitive video gaming. So the very popular activity of playing video games and actually putting it into a competitive uh, model similar to what you would find with uh, traditional sports. Um, there are several games that are out there that could be considered an eSport. Um, most of your more popular video games do have a competitive component to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the more popular games are games like Overwatch and League of Legends are two of the m- most popular competitive eSports games uh, that you find. Um, there's other games like CSGO, uh, you could even convert uh, Minecraft into a competitive uh, eSport. Um, Fortnite, although not as popular on a team-based or a, you know what you'd see in high schools or colleges um, or at the pro level, it's more of an individual eSport. Uh, but Fortnite does have some really uh, impressive um, national and international tournaments. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you can even go to some of the more traditional sports like NBA 2K basketball, FIFA, MLS, and, um, and other competitions within the FIFA brand, the soccer brand, um, Madden NFL. Uh, it could also be considered, uh, has an eSports component to it. Um, so yeah, I mean, there, there are, there are several types of esports. Um, some of them are team-based, so you could have, uh, Overwatch is a 6v6 game. Um, but then you can go all the way down to something like Super Smash Brothers, which is a Nintendo-based cartoon video game. Uh, that esport is 1v1, usually individuals playing against other individuals. Um, so really from a, from a team perspective, it really depends on the game as to how many players you have. Um, for clubs like or like uh, you would see at high school or college, um, you know, you probably have 12 to 15 players uh, per, per team, depending on how many game titles that you have. Um, some high schools in the area, Conestoga Valley and Lancaster County, has like 30 kids as part of their esports club. So mm-hmm. it really 
depends on um, how much interest there is in, mm -hmm. at your institution, but also uh, how many game titles you're actually competing in. Mm -hmm. Gaming was certainly popular before, but now I imagine with the current circumstances of folks spending more time at home and students spending more time at home, I imagine this may even be uh, you know, an even more popular option. So let's talk about kind of bringing it into the school community. You mentioned high mm -hmm. schools. What role does esports play in kind of an inclusive school community? How does that fit in? Esports um, and really video gaming as a whole has become overwhelmingly social right now. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's, the, that's probably a stereotype that you don't often uh, get when you talk about a traditional gamer or someone who is really an avid video game player. Um, what's really happened with some of the advents in, some of, uh, in technology and some of the games that are available, uh, you know, players are interacting with each other, they're talking to each other, they're communicating, um, and there's a social element right now that makes esports almost inherently social. Um, I saw a statistic the other day um, that about 80% of video game players are not active within their high school club or sports scene. Um, it's, it's definitely uh, become more and more accepted for very good video game players to now enter into kind of the social atmosphere of school. So esports programs have really allowed for folks who are uh, maybe not as, as athletic or uh, who have not really shown an interest in some other clubs to participate in school activities. The other side of that is about 75 to 80% of high school kids play video games. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be a natural transition for a lot of students, you know, to be able to now play at a club level, a competition that now allows them to be part of that high school or college setting where maybe, you know, three or four years ago, that option wasn't available. Um, so just naturally with the amount of people who play video games, the amount of, uh, you know, teenagers who play video games, you're just naturally going to be able to uh, incorporate more individuals into your school setting and into to be more involved in school um, and school activities. And, and the other the other interesting part is, you know, we, there is a it's an activity and a club and a competition that really doesn't discriminate, um, it, you know, from a from disabled students. Uh, to students with, you know, financial means, it, it really is open to everyone and is extremely inclusive. Mm -hmm. um, and the more that you can build programs at the high school level, um, the more you're going to incorporate that, that inclusivity within your own school setting. So there, there are some really amazing positive outcomes that can happen um, when you incorporate an esports program, either before school or after school, as part of your uh, school curriculum or your school activities? Yeah, a new avenue, you know, just bringing in another avenue for engagement for students. Absolutely. Definitely Absolutely. see that. And so in the high school players or sort of in, the, in that um, age group, what is the importance of regulatory oversight in the esports industry? That, that's a great question. Um, and I think it's one of the, one of the items that is really missed um, in the current landscape that we find ourselves in. Um, there are a lot of third party or kind of companies out there that have these platforms that are really geared towards high school players uh, to have high school competitions, to organize uh, competitions between 
um, high schools from across the country. Uh, what in each of those individual platforms have their own set of guidelines and rules and a structure. Um, and most, for the most part, uh, they are true to uh, what is necessary for, you know, for integrity and, and, and safe and fair competition. Um, but what really is missing is, is, a, is an oversight governing body to be able to ensure that, that these competitions, because as we continue to, to, to move along, um, video games are becoming more and more popular. The ability to watch competitive esports is becoming more and more popular. Younger generations are investing time and money as if they were watching professional football or collegiate football or basketball. Um, so the more that this becomes integrated into, into our society, becomes more and more popular, the need for the regulatory structure, something similar to the PIAA for traditional sports or the NCAA is, is going to be needed primarily because we want to protect the student athletes and those who are playing the games, but also to build confidence and give credibility to the industry um, for those who are making those decisions, whether it's elected school board officials or administrators, principals, vice principals, advisors. Um, you need to have some accountability so that you can provide that integrity and that safety and security for the players. So right now, regulatory oversight is limited. Um, there is uh, the coalition has been working with an organization called the Pennsylvania Interscholastic Esports Association, uh, which is looking to be kind of on a parallel track to the PIAA uh, to be able to provide that regulatory oversight, that, that governing body uh, to ensure that the competitions are safe, secure, and uh, have integrity with that. Sorry about that. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes a ton of sense. So gaming is fun and certainly competitive. What educational benefits are acquired? What, what is being picked up educationally? Is there benefit there by participation in esports? And do these benefits or can they carry into a student's future at all? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the reasons that the esports, the Pennsylvania Esports Coalition really started looking at the high school space was a lot of the you know, data that was starting to come out of some of the uh, activities happening in Europe, uh, but then also some of the activities happening in, you know, stateside of the strong correlation between esports competitions and STEM learning. Um, there are really strong connections between those who are inherently or have trained uh, to be uh, successful with video games, especially on the esports competition side, and their ability to seek a STEM degree in college or their ability to have those critical thinking capabilities to, to have a career uh, in a STEM field. Uh, the one uh, esports, uh, League of Legends, um, about 67% of League of Legends collegiate players are seeking a STEM degree in college compared to about 30% of the general population who aren't uh, League of Legends players. So there is a very direct one-to-one -one relationship between STEM learning and esports. And that's why I think you see a lot of schools interested in finding out more about esports and how they can build a program because there is a curriculum opportunity along with that. Um, there are college scholarships that are being offered uh, for high school students uh, who excel at esports. Um, there are some college uh, courses and actually degree courses that are being created. Uh, Harrisburg University has an esport degree 
um, because what has happened is as popular as video games are, you know, are, are becoming and actually growing in popularity and esports, the, the kind of the competitive nature of these games are, are become more and more popular. Um, those who can actually operate the tournaments, those who can actually create the games, those who can actually put the networks together to be able to host uh, these events, that, that uh, talent gap is very wide right now because there are a lot of people who want to do esports and want to put on tournaments, but very few people who have the knowledge base to be able to make it happen. Uh, Pennsylvania, we're pretty fortunate that we have a couple of great companies that have kind of excelled at that, but there are very few and far between of those companies who do it and do it well. So there is a huge talent gap for those, not necessarily those who play, and just like any professional sport or any professional talent, you know, a small percentage of those who play esports are going to play for a professional team. Mm -hmm. um, but there's an entire industry that's built on the back end of those games, uh, from the development of those games, the creation of those games, to the production of the tournaments, to what they call shout casting, which are the announcers who call the games, uh, to the social media, to the marketing, to the, to the public relations, um, and then even to the, to the school policies and to the curriculum that all goes into it. There is a whole industry that is built underneath um, the competition that um, is going to only increase in demand. Mm -hmm. So you're starting to see schools that are developing these programs to be able to fill the talent gap uh, between those who uh, want to host esports events and those who can actually do the work it needs to make them happen. Mm -hmm. And from what you're s describing, and it certainly makes sense, it almost sounds like it's a little late coming into the competitive sport arena in the schools, you know, with the industry already being a fully, for, for many years now, a thriving industry, really. Yeah, I think, you know, it's still, it's still kind of an open, completely untapped uh, marketplace right now for the high school space. And, you know, you don't ever want to talk about high school students as, uh, as a marketplace, but it, you know, there are very few, um, I think there are three or four national platforms that are organizing these competitions, uh, but it, it's not as, um, it's not as well run as you would maybe think it would be with for as long as esports have kind of now entered the mainstream for about three years now four years now esports has kind of grown from kind of you know a close-knit uh, underground community of people competing to now gaining some national and attention mm -hmm. here in the United States um, but yeah I mean I think it's still an untapped and untapped potential for high school space because there are there are very few high schools uh, even in Pennsylvania which has really taken a large uh, leap forward in advocating for high school teams. Um, there is only about 120 to maybe 130 high schools who have teams that are competing right now out of how many school districts do we have in Pennsylvania. So it is a very yeah. small number or very small percentage. And there is a huge opportunity for the state um, to be able to take advantage of the opportunities that are there. Um, I've been in, you know, my, my day job, I've been in government uh, pretty much my entire career. I spent 17 years working for a state legislature um, in the last uh, 12 years of my career here in Pennsylvania, working for the Pennsylvania House. Every governor and every administration and every legislative leader has said for the last 20 years, how do we, you know, create the talent to be able to fill 21st century jobs? Mm -hmm. um, I think the 
this opportunity to be able to use esports as the anchor uh, for that STEM learning and that STEM opportunity to be able to fill those 21st century jobs. I don't think I've seen anything that could be more impactful and to actually move that needle in a measurable way mm-hmm. as esports. And that's the exciting part. And I, I, I don't think it's too late. I think, I think now is the, the, the perfect time um, as we kind of see uh, schools struggling a little bit or, or trying to figure out what to do for the next uh, six months to a year on how, on how the future of learning is in Pennsylvania. There's a huge opportunity to be able to integrate esports into those models uh, moving forward. And really has forced us to have the conversation of what do we need to do from an infrastructure perspective to make sure that we are, we are serving our students in rural and urban and, and every community in between. And a lot of that is, you know, access to the internet and, and access to opportunities like esports. Mm-hmm. So school districts, so actually there are 500 school districts in Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. and you mentioned that there was maybe a hundred and some. 20, and that's just school building, like schools, high schools. Yeah. That is, yeah. So not just the school districts. There are, there, I think there's one school district in Pennsylvania that has taken a, a school district approach where all four of their high schools, and it's managed actually by uh, the district itself. A lot of these are advisors within a high school who say, I think we should have a program and let's see where it goes. Or the students themselves have appealed to the school, um, have found a sympathetic advisor uh, to be able to help them, uh, you know, sign the paperwork to be able to have a club. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still, there are so many more um, high schools throughout the state. Um, we're very heavy here in central Pennsylvania. Um, and on the eastern side of the state, there are less opportunities in high schools that are participating in the western part of Pennsylvania. Again, and it goes back to your question, too. That's another reason for regulatory oversight um, is the ability to have an equitable distribution of, of opportunities and programs across the state. But yeah, so about 120 to 130 programs. And that was as of last week. Um, you know, we might have had a few more as as school year begins to open. But, um, but yeah, very, very small number of the total number of high schools uh, in the state. So let's talk about resources and support. Um, if schools or districts are looking to form a team or would like to know more about esports, is there a place they can go to look for that? Yeah, there, I, as I said, there are a couple of other um, national uh, platform providers out there who are, have been doing this for, for several years. You know, uh, High School Esports League is a, is a good starting point. Um, but I could tell you, as the uh, Pennsylvania Interscholastic Esports Association uh, begins to grow, um, you know, the hope is for that entity to kind of be um, the, the, the place for, for, for schools to come and, and contact uh, about, about how to start one. I mean, it, it really, how you, how you form a team or how you form a program is just like any other club or any other sport. Um, you need engaged students and you need an advisor willing to help those students achieve uh, that goal. Um, there are some, you know, uh, technology requirements or minimum requirements that are needed, uh, but a lot of these game titles, depending on how aggressive the district or the school would want to be, um, can be as simple as a, as a, you know, a console like an Xbox or, or, a, or a PlayStation 4. Some of the more active programs do purchase the computers. Um, and there are some programs out there to be able to, uh, you know, to be able to afford some of the more, uh, you know, gaming style computers that are out there. 
Um, but you know, the PIW, the PIAA, as it, as it serves its schools and traditional sports, the PIEA is going to look to provide those types of, that type of information, that type of, those types of resources to guide uh, schools in the right direction. Um, so, I mean, a lot of the conversations will need to be had at the administrative level, absolutely, as to whether the investment into the technology and if is, is, is warranted, but, you know, uh, I would advocate to any high school out there that it is a, it is a win-win for the schools uh, to be able to invest in the technology needed. Um, and then also the, the ability to encourage more students to participate in school activities. Um, and then the ability to couple it all with a STEM-based curriculum um, that, that will really shape um, the future of, of, our, of our success in, those, in filling those jobs in the future. Mm -hmm. And so you mentioned a bit about PIEA and, and that organization's role. So Pennsylvania Esports Coalition and Pennsylvania Interscholastic Esports Association, those are two organizations in the space. And where can listeners go for more information coming out of those uh, organizations? Sure. For the, for the Pennsylvania Esports Coalition, um, the paesports.org is our is our website. Um, I think as we mentioned in the beginning, I'm the chairman of that organization, been fortunate to, to kind of uh, help guide the industry as a whole, um, whether from the professional levels all the way down to, to high school and middle school programs. Um, and then the Pennsylvania Interscholastic Esports Association, the website is interscholasticesports.org. Um, and that is actually a, a combination of of folks who are, are really uh, interested in, in boosting Pennsylvania's presence uh, at, with, with esports at the high school level. Um, they can contact uh, info at interscholasticesports.org, that's the email address, or you can email me directly, uh, wthomas at midatlanticss.com. Great. Thanks so much for joining us. I think this is such an interesting topic and I am looking forward to seeing uh, eSports thrive in the school districts. I, I can only see that it's gonna grow at this point. Right, and uh, you know, it's, there, there's a great opportunity right now, I think to, to really get the attention of administrators and get the attention of school boards to help to dispel some of the negative stereotypes that might exist within the space um, because there are so many positives that can come from from programs at the high school and collegiate level um, that I think taking a little bit of a, uh, the kind of the glasses off and taking a look at this for, for really what it could be um, is, is something we would strongly advocate schools to do. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, the social part that I think is the uh, myth to dispel perhaps, you know, the social aspect of esports. So hopefully, yeah. hopefully that kind of perception can be turned around a bit. Right. And especially as, as, I, as I said, you know, 70 to 80 percent of students are playing those games and those who are really good at those games are, are going to be kind of like the, the star quarterback or the star athlete on the traditional sports team. So yeah. there is a socialization there that as students become familiar with each other, um, it does break down some of the uh, negative stereotypes that might exist of, what a, of who a gamer is. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Bill. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Keystone Education Radio is a production of the Pennsylvania School Boards Association. This episode is brought to you in part by PA School District Liquid Asset Fund and PSBA Insurance Trust. Visit our website at keyedradio.org for more information on today's discussion and past episodes. 
Subscribe, share, and follow us on social media so you can stay tuned to new topics and interviews. This is Annette Stevenson saying thank you for listening to Keystone Education Radio. The views and opinions expressed on the Keystone Education Radio podcast are solely the views and opinions of our guests and do not reflect the views and opinions of the Pennsylvania School Boards Association. Thank you.